Hi, this is Jay Joyner, and I am the host of the Metal and Pedal podcast, No Hesitations, a podcast about entrepreneurship, really, if you get down to it. And uh, this week, I'm really lucky because I have an incredible visitor in studio. Dr. Trad Harder is going to be with us today, and he's going to talk about um, his success, his business, and what he's learned in his 20 years of orthodontics. You will not want to miss this one. All right, so we are very excited today to have Dr. Trad Harder with us. He's a good friend of mine. I've known him for years, and uh, he is an amazing orthodontist. (laughs) And he has an incredible practice, and I've always been um, so I've always admired the way that you run your businesses, how dedicated you are, um, how many patients you see a day. I mean, I know it's it's a lot, and but the quality of care right. that you give every single patient. When my girls come into your offices, they feel like they are the most important girls in the room. We're good. And I love that. That's yes, our goal. And that takes a lot of heart, a lot yes. of soul, a lot of training. A lot of that. A All lot of that. hard work. Yeah. So sure that's why I wanted to have you on today. Um, you're really an inspiration to me. Oh my gosh. And I've turned to you several times for business advice. Absolutely. And we bounce uh, a lot of things off of each other along the way. <laughs> Come on. So. Yeah, it's true. So tell our listeners who don't know anything about you okay. where you're from and a little about yourself. Well, I grew up in South Carolina, in Anderson, South Carolina, and uh, my dad's a physician there. Um, his father uh, was a general dentist. Um, and my dad's brother is also a physician and quite honestly growing up I just always assumed I was going to be a doctor also Um, I uh, like I said grew up in Anderson and just really enjoyed watching my dad help people along the way I had opportunity when I was in high school to work for our local hospital doing the worst things that you know you could possibly imagine I got to do all the things that none of the nurses wanted to do which, like what like bedpan oh stuff God, and... all of that <laughs> every bit of that um, which in today's time i'm pretty sure would be considered illegal but this was back <laughs> in the mid 80s um and you know rules were a little more lax back then and there were some things that are today on the health uh, horizon that um, are handled very differently today so um but yeah, I, I got a chance to do all the gross stuff uh, from <laughs> dirty from, work. Die, yeah, I yeah. could go on a long list, but I'm sure all of our listeners here would prefer that I didn't speak <laughs> about this. Let's just say dirty work is great. You, you, if you can imagine a bodily, bodily fluid, I've had it on me at some point. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, so, but with that, I you know having seen the dirty side of medicine in that regard. I still found that I enjoyed helping people um, so very much, and um, but I just realized that I did not necessarily uh, want to be in medicine per se. Um, I was more open to um, other areas of health as well. So right. I went to Furman University after graduating high school. Uh, I was a biology major there. Um, had some great experiences at Furman. It really helped shape my life, not just academically, but as a person as well. Um, Made some great friends um, and gave me a fantastic education that allowed me to go on to dental school in Charleston at the Mm -hmm. Medical University of South Carolina. 
Um, and going through dental school opened my eyes to a lot of areas of dentistry that I honestly didn't know existed so much um, or at least didn't understand how enjoyable dentistry really could be. You know, right. so many people fear going to the dentist. Yes, um, I am one of those exactly. people. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, before I got to dental school, that, you know, here I am about six months before graduation, I had taken the MCAT, the dental uh, admissions test, as well as the GRE, just trying to load my options um, in case I didn't get into med school, because at that point I was, you know, for sure going to med school in my brain. And the three most important men in my life come to me one day and uh, say, look, you know, don't look at going into medicine. In fact, the face of medicine is changing so much, we would actually recommend not going into medicine. And again, this is in the late, um, late 80s, early 90s, and the face of medicine was changing a great yes. deal. Yes, yes. And... So when the three most important men in your life come to you and say this, and your first thought, the yeah. first thought of my mind was, wait, I am six months from graduating with a BS in biology, pre-med. I've been, in my brain, going to be a physician my entire life, and now you guys are telling me not to do this? Um, I was a little, uh, you know, it, it upset me a little bit. And... Um, but then they followed that with, if I were you, I would look at going into dentistry. And my grandfather at the time, he, I mean, my gosh, he practiced until the day he died. He actually passed away in the middle of his day, having come home from lunch practicing oh dentistry. Oh my gosh, I did um, not know that story. Yeah, he, uh, general dentist in a very small town of Hampton, South Carolina. Um, if, you've, if any of you have been through it, you may not have known that you went through it. It's so small. Um, is growing a little bit, but a uh, very small rural uh, town. And for a long time, he was only dentist within about, I'd say, a 30-mile radius. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had an opportunity to do anything and everything in dentistry, um, but just really loved it. Loved that he was able to practice in the town that he came from. He, was, he loved being able to help people. Um, his first years of practice, many times people couldn't afford to pay. They paid him with chickens and peanuts and watermelons and I don't know how he made ends meet. Wow. You know, but he absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother worked for him as an assistant and hygienist. And, Mm. um, he, he said nothing but great things about dentistry. And, and my, my dad and my uncle both were like, look, you know, our father being my grandfather, he loves his life, you know? Um, if we were to go back and do it over again in this climate, we'd probably think very hard about going to dental school. And so I did. And um, applied to dental school and got in. Um, and just based off of the recommendation along with uh, a lot of things I love um, to do at the time as a hobby or my interest, I just found that dental school really was where I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And here I am now, a freshman in dental school with the mind of, okay, well, if I'm not going to be a, a physician, then I'm going to go to dental school and be an oral surgeon. Right. And so this is what I had my mindset. And it just goes to prove you go into things with your mind set a certain way, and you have to start listening to the things that your heart tells you to do. And your intuition. Yes. Yes. I'm really big into, as you probably know, intuition. And yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And so I go through, uh, in the last two years of dental school, well, first two years of dental school, you spend with the med students. So mm-hmm. you're right there with them. Um, and then there's a certain point in your education where you guys split ways and head off into either the land of dentistry or uh, continue on in medical 
training. And so you start doing your rotations through the different um, areas of dentistry, um, oral surgery, you know, uh, prosthodontics, orthodontics, pediatric dentistry, all these different specialties. Um, and I just came across orthodontics and I'm like, man, you know, this is fun. Right. This is this is fun stuff. This is where, you know, you get to interact with these patients of all different ages. Um, your patients are actually awake, you know, versus an oral, oral surgeon, surgeon right. who, I mean, I know some phenomenal oral surgeons. Um, we have a lot of gifted oral surgeons right here in this town. Um, but the reality is a lot of their work is done while the patient's asleep, mm-hmm. you know, and their interactions with their patients are very short-lived relative to that of an orthodontist or even a general dentist whose relationship with the patient goes on for years or sometimes decades. And I found that that interaction was the thing I loved so much. Um, So it wasn't necessarily the medicine part of it, the medical part of it. It was more having more interaction with your patient and really focusing on relationships. Right. Right. And doing the work, but also interacting with the patient Mm -hmm. was just exciting to me. And it was fun. You could laugh and you could cut up with your patients and um, and sometimes have to walk them through some really difficult times. But it was so rewarding, you know, and just and to see them, you know, go through treatment and this, you know, this person blossom along the way, you know, and I was like, you know, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. That's where that's what excites me, and that's what I'm going to do. And so, went on to do orthodontic residency. At the time, South Carolina didn't have an orthodontic residency program. They do now. Um, so I went to Kansas City uh, for my orthodontic residency program, um, and was blessed to get in into that program. Um, I had a phenomenal experience uh, living and working in Kansas City. It opened my eyes to a lot of different things. And a lot of people in this area may not even be aware how cool of a place Kansas City is. Really? I've never been. Oh, my gosh. Jade, you've got to go. It's cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, culturally, um, it's definitely right up there. Um, I think, I don't know if this is still true or not, but at the time, Kansas City was said to have had more water fountains in it than Paris, France. Wow. And so many of their parks are linked together with a, a greenway. Um, um, it's just a beautiful place. A lot of culture, a lot of jazz, huge on barbecue. Um, you know, it's just a culturally very enriched place. And, and growing up Could in the South, yeah, growing yeah. up in the Southeast, I knew nothing about nothing. it. I no, literally I thought either. when I was flying out for my interview, <laughs> I literally thought they might have to shoo like some, you know, brush off the <laughs> runway and maybe shoo the cows off the runway for me to land. I was just right. that ignorant about right. about Kansas City. And I mean, it's a metropolis and it's a happening cool place, right smack cadab in the middle of the country. Right. Um, but if you so don't know, you don't know. Don't know. You know? I know. So that's, that's really so, cool. Yeah. I know. So we went there and I finished my residency and then came back to Athens um, in 1999 to, as an associate. Um uh, with a great orthodontist here in town, Jim Jim Morang. And um, um, by the grace of God, Jim decided he was going to hire me as an associate. Uh, we just really hit it off on the telephone. Again, intuition, and I believe that God brings you to, to, um, brings you to places for certain reasons, um, and just being able to listen for God's voice. And right. I feel like that that's the reason why I ended up here in Athens. But 
Uh, so I've been in practice since 99 and, um, you know, still going strong. So. Oh, yeah. And then you <laughs> bought the practice from Dr. I did. Ring? Yeah, I yeah. bought it in uh, 2001. Uh, Jim worked for me. Um, the original contract was that he was going to retire 18 months after I bought the practice. And I bought the practice in 01. Um, and we had so many people that were asking us to set up a second location in Watkinsville um, that we decided to make that plunge and yeah. big leap of faith. Yes. Because orthodontic practices are very expensive. Yes. Um, to set up and equip. Yeah, your build out was big. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, the, yeah, you're thinking about the second oh, office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one <laughs> was. I never went to the first one. I mean, you didn't. Yeah. Um, it was. It was. We took over a space there that was originally a chiropractor's office, and converted that into an orthodontic office. Um, and it's still being used as a, as a pediatric dental practice right now by a very successful pediatric dentist there. Um, but um, to make that leap of faith uh, financially, um, especially after just purchasing the practice scary, from Dr. Morang, I was like, man, I am going way out <laughs> on, a, on a financial yes. limb here. And I just hope the limb doesn't get cut off because... Right. My gosh, that decision, you know, you, you pay for that decision for 30 years or more. Oh, yeah. Know? And did you have anyone at this time um, that you talked to as far as like a mentor? Yes. Well, <laughs> right. And I actually am a big believer that you surround yourself with uh, a tribe of people that you can talk openly and honestly about, even if they're right here, even as a potential competitor, you know. Right. Um, in my case, uh, we had so many of our referring dentists that were coming to us, asking us, um, and they were some of our, you know, you know, at that time I, you know, didn't run statistics on who referred us the most, and still don't really pay attention to that too very much. But um, people that I considered mentors um, in in terms of work ethic and how how to take care of patients were coming to us and begging us to come there. So you listen, again, listen to those people. Right. And Dr. Morang, of course, was still, and still is very much a business mentor to me. Um, I said, look, you know, these guys are asking you to do it. I've known these guys forever. Um, they would not ask you to do it or ask us to do this unless it was truly a need for it. Right. And so he's like, you know, I feel like it's a sound investment. And at this point, he's working for me. He has right. zero financial gain by me opening up a second location and so I listened and we did it and um, we opened that practice Uh, Dr. Morang would work in one location and I would work in another and we'd flip-flop on a daily basis um, for a long time and 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 he worked for me in that capacity until about 2005 where he finally you know decided uh, we both agreed actually that it was a good time for him to retire, that I had gotten the business running in a, in a manner that I could run solo. Right. Um, and um, as much as he loved it, you know, he was like, yeah, I think it's a good time for me to step down. I'm, I'm four years past the time <laughs> that I said I was going to retire. And he's like, but you know, anytime you want me to come back, you just tell me and I'm there. And He, and loved, it. he, he loved, loved it. He loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. I mean, he loves just talking with people. I mean, you yeah. know, um, not just the orthodontic aspect of it. So, um so that's how the, that practice took off and got initiated. And then after a while, that practice grew so quickly um, that we outgrew our space, much like you guys are doing, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, 
And it's just a sign that when you've got a good formula, it will grow um, without putting a huge amount of effort into trying to grow it. And you just, we grew that practice from within organically, just taking care of people, you know, just delivering the best service. Absolutely. And just do it the way you would want it done to you if you were the client, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and just, you know, being open, honest with people. Um, it just grew, 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 grew. And we, I remember there was a day I came out to talk to a parent about what was going on with, with her son. And in that little, that, that space is about 2,300 square feet. And the reception area might have been, oh, I'm guessing about 10 feet wide and about 15, 20 feet long. Mm-hmm. It's very rectangular. Anyway, um, so we had all our little waiting chairs there for people who would wait with the patient. I came out and I had to step over some siblings who were doing homework <laughs> in the floor of this room. And I looked around, I'm like, this room is completely packed. And I looked out the front door and there are people sitting outside on the little park benches that we had sitting outside. This was our space at Park Drive. And, and I looked in the parking lot and there were people literally, the cars parked down the street and the, the, the parking lot was completely filled and p- cars parked down the street. Kids wow. were literally, again, these are siblings of patients who were in the, in, back in the treatment area, literally laying underneath the chairs, so kind of threading the legs of the I've chairs and, and, uh, yeah, and doing <laughs> homework or coloring or whatever. And but at the same time, as packed as everybody was in there, that reception area was filled with like laughter, you know. Yeah. And and it was this huge energy that was very positive. I mean, it was like a social zone. I yeah. Mean, people come in like I hadn't seen you in years, you yeah. know. Or what are you kids up to? I mean, it's just all this community and just this awesome interplay between amongst all the people who were packed in like sardines, but they were happy. But at the same time, I looked at them. I'm like man, my clients really deserve a lot more yeah. and better space than this. And so we started right then kind of polling our, our, our clientele to, to ask them, okay, if we're going to build a new office to replace this one, what do you want in it? You know, what do you want it so to contain? So you asked your clients. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And um, yeah, and so we listened to them and built that space to encompass the things that they wanted to see. I mean, the new space is in, I call it the new space, because yeah. I still, yeah. you know, yeah. I think it's very six, new. Yeah. yeah, six yeah. years, six right? Six and a half, six yeah. And a half years. So, so yeah. computers is one of the things you have. You have like a movie room for the kids. Yes. I mean, it's fantastic. Well, all of that was ideas that were brought about by our clientele at the time. Coffee bar. Coffee yeah. bar, yeah. yeah. The, the Froggy Bucks Cafe. In fact, and I go out of my way to go to that space <laughs> when yeah. I have to well. take two kids because I'm like... I want some coffee. <laughs> yeah, I need as much caffeine in my veins yeah. as possible. But yeah, yeah. Well, funny story along those lines. Uh, we first got a Keurig machine in the the original Watkinsville space. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, Keurigs are just come on the market at this right. point. And we had that and people were just like, man, that's so awesome. We were teaching, we had to literally teach people how to use it. And one day um, a guy comes in and gets a Keurig and sits down and I'm, I, I see him come in and then I can't, I can't find his kid anywhere. And the first thought that goes through my head is, we have lost his son. 
And I mean, literally, we all just stopped what we we're doing. And we're like, find this kid. Right. And, and at semi panic mode. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's like yeah. the worst possible thing that right. could go through your mind. I was just convinced that he had, you know, some horrible thing had happened. And so at that space, that building backs up to some woods and there's a back door. And we've had kids that kind of walked out just to see what was through that door and realize they were outdoors. Well, his son was adventurous. And so um, we were convinced that he had just walked out the back door is back there playing in the woods somewhere. I mean, literally. So you're searching the woods for yes, this kid. Oh, my god! I am 10 Did you feet... talk to him yet? No. Because you wanted to find the kid. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and, and so looking back, I might have done things a little differently now. But, uh, you're yeah, just like, I'm, get the kid, I am, get the kid. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. yeah, first things first, find right. the kid. Right. And I'm literally 10 feet deep in the woods back there. I almost needed a machete to cut my way out. But I'm finally, I mean, I'm like, I've got to tell this guy that we can't find his son. Right. And so... We go back in there, and I come out there, and I'm like, sir, you know, I I hate to tell you this, but we cannot find your son anywhere. And I have looked out in the woods. I've looked at He goes, oh, he doesn't have an appointment today. I just came in here to get a cup of coffee. (laughs) I'm like, are you kidding me? And we finally, we laughed about it, but I'm like, you have scared me half to death. I'm like, but anytime you want to come in here to get a cup of coffee, you just come on, but at least tell me that's what you're doing. So we don't have a replay of That's this. Funny. So, uh, but anyway, yeah. So back to the, you know the space that they were in now. It was truly a lot of it. If you go into that space, the huge uh, amount of square footage allotted to the reception area yes. is actually kind of disproportionate um, to compared to the treatment area. I, um, I noticed that right away. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but you you're know, always packed. I mean, you know, yeah. your, your parking lot's packed. Yeah. Um, we go early because, yeah. well, I want my coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I want to get a seat. You yeah. know, you're full. And so, yeah. yeah. It's a blessing. It, it really is. A blessing. is. And, it is uh, a blessing. And um, it also shows how hard you've worked and how you've taken care of your patients. Right. You know, and your staff, I mean, your staff is incredible. Yeah, I am. And how you train and how you do that is beyond me because well, I love my staff and they're incredible too. But yeah. the training and the management of people right. really kills me. Well, really. I, yeah. <laughs> it's just hard. I would love it's to say to that it is because I am a business genius. <laughs> it is not the case at all. Um, so I have been incredibly blessed to surround myself with phenomenal people from the get-go. Phenomenal, yeah. And uh, I mean, that's, and, and, and the way we hire and fire, honestly, we hire as a group, we fire as a group. Oh, wow. And it is a concept that is very um, unique, I have found, in, in terms of the people that we brought onto our team. <laughs> it, it can be a little bit of a pressure cooker to a candidate coming in, but we do that on purpose because it's not solely my decision who comes on to our work team. with everyone. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, how do you fire as a group? I don't understand that. Because, like, <laughs> I feel a like that's question. a very private. Well, no, that breaking the news to someone that they're going to be let go, I mean, that's very much a private conversation. Okay. okay. But, you know, usually when we got to that point, it, we have expended all options. Right. Um, I'm a big believer that. You know, failure is just a first attempt in learning, Mm -hmm. and I have trained my uh, everybody on my team to not be afraid of failure. Now, that doesn't mean that you can fail at the same thing over and over and over again. You better learn from your failures too. And 
But if, if something is getting to a point where the chemistry between team members is just toxic mm-hmm. or someone is just not learning a concept and that concept and the outcome of that you know, misuse of a concept is causing irreparable damage, then it's time to say, okay, look, we're at a point of, yeah. of impasse here. And it's, it's, you know, usually that assessment is given by the entire team. Right. So the assessment of each other. So you other, take everyone's kind of feedback yes. when there's an issue that comes up yes. with one particular teammate. Yes. And you, then you gather those details Right. And make your decision. Right. Yeah. Now, one concept that I actually bought, borrowed from Frito-Lay, mm-hmm. the chip company, and we call it a Frito-Lay day, is is that you, you've accumulated a list of, of items where you would really like to see someone improve. And um, when you sit down and have this conversation with them, say, okay, this is, this is it. You know, I need you to improve on this, this, and this. We've actually talked about a lot of these things thus far, but you know, it's time for you to either get on board with this list mm-hmm. and show up tomorrow morning. By the way, you've got the rest of the day paid off to go home and ponder your fate. <laughs> um, and think about how you can come back tomorrow and either engage and, and knock the things off this list and do them routinely the right way or if you cannot be a part of this, if this does not jive with who you are personally, then we accept your resignation. So this is the Frito-Lay, they're, they're not Frito-Lay, is it Frito-Lay? Frito-Lay. Okay, Frito-Lay chips, day yeah. is like the last day before. A decision's gotta be made. And, the, and that decision has to be yeah. made. I've laid out the two options for, for the team member and they're making that decision as to whether they're gonna show up tomorrow at eight o'clock and play by the rules. Yeah, we've done that before too. I think it's smart, not. it puts it in their hands. It's in their hands because, yeah. you know, I can sit there and say, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do this, but unless they actually, you know, embody that and right. put those things to motion, you sitting there laying out all these rules means nothing. Right. You know. And so that's where I got that concept. And uh, like I said, coming back to the team approach of decision making, you know, when someone comes in to interview with us, our entire team is there as a group. Day one? On the first day of interview. On the first day of interview. Yeah. Our entire team is there to interview that person. And they are truly sitting in a hot seat. And uh, I like it. I like that idea. It's a pressure cooker. It's not meant to be that way. Mm -hmm. But when you're a new person and you're sitting in a room, in a chair by yourself and you're surrounded by 20 people who can ask you whatever they need to ask you as long as it's legal to do so, right. um, then that's tough. I'm still learning those rules. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think God I have Lisa who was an HR for years and yeah, is like, our HR. You can't ask that, Jane. She's like, Jane, I'm like, yeah. well. You cross the cross line there, um, so especially but in today's. You can't, yeah. No, so anyway, yeah, you got to. I really by like that though. That's amazing. That's a great concept because we've had some team things where some people haven't jived with the team. Right. But Graham and I thought they were great. So it's and a team. It ultimately, didn't work. Yeah. Out. Ultimate. Well, yeah, because the team has to deal with yeah. that hiring decision. Yeah. You know, and and if the hiring decision is great in your mind but the team can't handle it, then it's gonna bring the whole team down. It becomes toxic to the entire team. Um, So that's how we hire. And then, yeah, the training process um, is something that's done on a a daily basis. And quite honestly, depending on the position you're speaking about inside of our team, it can take upwards of two years to get someone to where they're, you know. Onboarded and trained. Yeah, fully functional. And, um, you know, that rule about the 10,000 hours definitely is a, 
it, it takes 10,000 hours to become a master at something. And right. I think that definitely applies to orthodontics, no matter what area of the business you're And do you into. have like a, a team leader who trains people? Like, do you have one person they go to? Or is um, that a group effort? It's, it's very much a shared responsibility. Um, um, and we've tried a lot of different things. Um, what you find is that someone's learning style may not jive up with someone's teaching style, another person's. Mm-hmm. And so we <laughs> yes, try we to, that. yeah. Um, and that, that can be a point of frustration to the mm-hmm. point that it leads to someone leaving the team. Yeah. You know, that's not what you want. When we hire somebody, it's our goal to never have to fire them. You I know? agree. And because you want them to be there forever. And you also know? you invest in them when you hire Absolutely. them. You know, we have a three-month training program, and it's an investment. Absolutely. It's a serious. Like, when we hire you, it's serious. Absolutely. We're not just hoping this works out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I tell people, that I honestly, when I hire them, I hope they either die here as an employee. You know, I just want them there forever yeah. because we're bringing them into our family. Yes. And, you know, you don't want to get to a point where you're having to ask a family member to leave. Right. You know? Um and so, Although in my family, that's been done quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway, that's another podcast. Uh, that's another, yeah, yeah. We'll touch on that next week. <laughs> Tune in. Um, so, you know, that training process that we're on, we, we try to find that, you know, you might have initially a lot of very much hands-on, one-on-one training. Mm-hmm. Um and which is you have kind of a backup training mm-hmm. person as right. well. So, you know, you may have a primary go-to, but then you have, uh, I call it like a, a lifeline right. scenario. Yeah. Where, um, say for instance, if you got, you know, three orthodontic assistants and one of them is new. Mm-hmm. So you may want that new person kind of sitting in a chair um, working on patients where that she is flanked or they're flanked by two veteran Right. assistance and so that way she can you know, that person can turn in any direction and have um, answers. have, have yeah. answers um, it doesn't always like work that. out all that way but um <laughs> but I yeah, like that. that's that's the strategy yeah. at least and and you know and so you want it to play out that way if you need it you know when you have your team since you have multiple locations yes um when you have your team together do you pull in both locations to be with everyone or do you have separate team days and things like that? Um, So right now um, we're in a a business structure to where um, by law if if a doctor is not in an orthodontic or a dental office the dentist is not in a dental office that dental office cannot see patients okay it's the law of the board of dentistry it's there to protect the patient thank goodness Um, but so when we've got two locations the office that I'm physically sitting in, we can see patients. The other one has to be shut down. Right. Has to be closed. Um, and so once we're in a, in a structure where um, both me, you know, my, myself, and then my new associate are fully up to speed, we will be opening both offices to be simultaneously open. Mm-hmm. And so in that scenario, we have, I want my entire team to be, um, trained in a way that no matter where they're working, they work the same way, mm-hmm. you know, and that the chemistry between them and anybody else they're working with works. And that's my other well. question. Do people move around locations? Like, We have some that stay placed. Right. And, um, they're, they're kind of their home base. Um, and others that float. Okay. And, um, and that might depend also on, like, if an assistant is still learning, 
for instance. Um, and we know that a veteran assistant is going to be working at our Athens location um, and is kind of, you know, we, kind of the master of a certain technique. Right. Then we may try to put them together so that um, they may float with that person back and forth right. uh, to increase their learning experience. So, yeah. um, but again, I think that, you know, um, the scenario of hap- having people float is a combination of people that need to kind of have a, an office that is home base and others that can float. Right. You know, from a client perspective, clients like to come into an orthodontic practice and see familiar faces. Yes. Because there's a huge amount of trust that the yeah. client is placing in us yes. to work either on themselves or their children's mouths. And yes. so when you're constantly coming in and you you don't see any faces that you know, right? Um, it, it, it incites some fear, you yes. know, uh, whether you know it or not, at the very basic, basic level, a fear takes over there. And that fear can completely unravel the progress. I see it every your, day here. Yeah. Every day. When you I don't trust. When it's not me on the job or now Graham or I. Right. They get scared. Yes. And they start asking. We have this policy and we send it out to our clients and we say, like for an insult day, and we say, um, you my assistants don't know anything. I mean, they right, do, right. but don't ask them questions. If you have a right. question, text me, call me, email right. me, hunt me down. I will come to right. you. Ask me the questions yeah. because it's my project. You've hired me. Exactly. They're here to just help. Exactly. Day in, day out, my clients on install day will go up to my mover, my yeah. warehouse manager and right. ask questions. Well, is the wallpaper? And they always have to say, you know, we don't know anything. Right. And so that fear is real. It's very real. They want me there. I mean, and of course, I can't stay at 30 projects all day long. No, you can't. no one could afford that, number Correct. one. <laughs> or not many people. Right. And second of all, that wouldn't be create a good business for anyone. So right. now we've got lanyards for our team, and literally on the lanyards, they're going to say, you have to ask Jade. <laughs> Don't ask me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not Jade. <laughs> right, exactly. I was going to say their names and then ask Jade. But um, but that's true, and that's huge. And Margo is amazing at yeah. your front right. desk. I mean, every time I see her, she knows everyone there. She, does. she knows their kids. She knows where right. they live. And I don't know yeah. what you're paying her, but <laughs> she is well, worth every she, penny. She's she amazing. Is, I love Margo to death. Um and Kathy, who also is a scheduling coordinator, and Brianna, they're the same way, though. Right. You just, you I have, just know her because you, of my you used experience. Her, you, yeah, yeah, you've worked with her for years. Yeah. And so, but like when all she's of them there, are that I'm way. Like, everything is good. Exactly. I'm where I'm supposed exactly. to be. My appointment time is right. I made it this time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, we've got you. you yes, know? yes. Um, and, and, but that relationship, I think that, that exactly says what you're talking about, yeah. is that you have a relationship with Marga. We yes. have patients that have the same relationship with Kathy or right. with Brianna and and um, so important. That, it's incredibly important yeah. to see that familiar face right. when you walk in the door and the same thing goes for assistance I mean you know we have um, another one of our team members Kathy Sapp has been there for a long long minute we joke that she started as an assistant when she was you know six months old but um, she's actually worked with our practice longer than she's been married and, wow. and so anyway she's been there for you know upwards of 40 years wow. and um, um, and so but we got you know second and now even third generations of patients that are coming in and say Miss Kathy put my 
mother's braces on or my grandmother's braces That's so on. cool. And so that that confidence and that comfort yes. is, speaks volumes. And It's a key part of your business, I would is. imagine. Trust. I know it is for me. Yeah. No matter what business, yeah. that trust between client and you yes. has to be there. And yes. it's not always there. Yeah. So how many people do you currently have on your team? About 20. That yeah. for that's it. That's right yeah. because okay. Yeah. Because I didn't know that when your office in um, Athens had to be closed on the day of the Watkinsville location. Yes. I did not know that. Yeah. They can't see patients there. Okay. So um, Kathy, for instance, who is one of our scheduling coordinators, um, Athens is kind of her home base. Okay. Um, so she might be there to receive phone calls or if a patient Paperwork. or exactly yeah. or someone comes in to make a payment or whatever, they can interact with her okay. and she can take care of So the of office it. is actually open, but they're not technically, they're not seeing no patients. No assistant can okay. be, no, yeah, no patient can be seen for any kind of treatment whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and so, and that's that's a that's a restriction placed by the board of dentistry, and so we we you're, we you're, hear about. Oh that. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. sure. They can they can end your career in a heartbeat. How many patients do you see a day? That is a great question. That it changes from day to day. And tell you the truth, um, you know, so I'll I'll answer the question this way because I know practices from all over this country, um, based off of this, a lot of the study clubs I'm in. Um, you know, we've got, I've got friends who they might see 40 patients a day. I've got friends who might see 150 patients a day. We're kind of right in the middle. Right. And, and, and i tell you the truth. We, we set up our schedule and we do a lot of self analysis mm-hmm. to understand how long any type of procedure requires. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, not just of the assistant time, but of the doctor as well. And w- at what point in the flow of any given appointment, the doctor ought to enter into that. And um, so we've done a lot of analysis there and we've built our schedule um, so that in a, in a perfect day, which occasionally perfect days, I think I've had two of them in the last 20 years. Uh, <laughs> Probably I wasn't scheduled for uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you were there one of those days, Jay. I'm surprised you forgot it. Um, but nonetheless, um, Nonetheless, the, um, the, the schedule is set so that I am not needed in any play, any, not any more than, I can't let's see if I can, <laughs> we may want to edit this edit. part. Edit this part. <laughs> the schedule is set so that I'm not needed in more than one place at any given time. Right. You're not um, hair on fire. Exactly. And you're giving the best quality care Absolutely. and you're having quality interactions exactly. with your patients. So, I feel that without even... So I've like been secretly studying your business because I guess, you know, I've got two kids in braces now. I've had one before. So I come there and I sit and I'm drinking my, you know, froggy bucks coffee and (laughs) having a great time. And I kind of like think about everything. And also I love business. So I'm always analyzing businesses. Right. And one of the things is I noticed that, you know, you have a very like you have this 20 minutes with this patient or an hour with this patient. But it's all like you're you are enter at the right time. Right. Where it's not a waste of anyone's time it's very efficient you run everything very efficiently yeah we want to do that that so hard it was very hard and still is it still is there are days where the wheels completely fall off and and luckily my my patients and my parents of patients they they can see it they come in and we try to warn them as much as possible on those days hey look you know this is just a our our schedule is kind of falling to pieces here we're doing our best to keep everybody on schedule because you know, ultimately, I, I want to respect the time that our clients are spending in our practice. Right. We realize that, you know, they might have better places to be than, than our practice. Um, uh, they, they've got, a, especially in today's time, they've got, you know, multiple sports amongst multiple kids yes. to keep up with. Their schedules are very busy. And yes. so 
um, partly overscheduled. The, Americans uh, are overscheduled. Oh, massively you and I talked about this a lot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so um, we don't want to compound the stress that goes along yes. with that. Um, and so part of the reason why we designed our schedule this way is so that I personally and my assistants could feel calm about the work we were and feel good about the work we were creating. Um, and not feel like our heads were on fire every single day. Seeing the amount of patients you do yeah. and providing the amount of care that you do. Yeah, the quality yeah, care. It's all quality. actually driven around quality care, not so much as how many patients can we stuff into a day. No, I, I never and, feel that way at your office. And, yeah, And no. so it's it's never been about quantity. It's always been about quality. And and But if you structure it properly, it turns out that you can get a fair number of patients into a given schedule. Um, and we have to operate our schedule in a way that we're not doing more than we should be and we're not doing less than we should right. be. You've got to be doing things just right um, and still have time to talk to patients and, and create that experience with yes. the client. Um, it's not just, hey, sit down, let me work on your braces, bye. Yes. It's like, hey, so, you know, what have you been doing? Tell me about your life. Yes. You know, and we talk about a lot of things, you know, I way know. more than dentistry. I don't know how you remember everyone's name, everyone's sibling's name. That's such... An amazing talent you, you just have. get to know them I mean, know? it's not a talent it's just you know I think it's just when you care it, you it becomes very natural yeah. yeah you know I mean That's we talked about you know you know if, if, if Reagan's across the country doing right. you know something with her academics then you know we, we it just it falls into that little category that little file cabinet because in you your care. brain yeah. yeah and so when Reagan's in the office next tell me about that what right. I, what was the coolest thing you saw you know, what did you learn? So you don't feel that's forced for you at all? No. I, I mean, mean I'll, I'll be honest. I have a lot of clients, too, not as many as you, yeah. but I have a lot of clients, and sometimes I have to write things down or remember. Yeah. I don't feel like it's forced either, but I try so hard to be intimately involved in their lives. Right. And, you know, it's hard, It's difficult. And it I is. have, you know, it's hard. I mean, it's tough to keep up yeah. with it all. I mean, but I think that... It's important. It's important. Yeah. And the cool thing is that, yeah, we sometimes we might make a note, hey, ask about so-and-so, right. you know, um, or if we know, I don't know, fill in the blank, whether it's a trip you're, they're going on or if a you know, relative is not in good health, that kind of stuff, you know, um, we might make a, just a subtle little note so that it helps us remember, oh, yeah, you know, tell me about mm-hmm. Aunt Sally, you know, how's she doing, what, um, that kind of thing. And, um, and so my assistants and everybody on our team is just kind of geared that way. Um, you know, honestly, there are details that you know, a lot of my assistants can remember about our patients that I can't. Right. And so I will sit down and the combination of me remembering certain things and them remembering other things kind of fills in that gap. Mm-hmm. And it just helps stimulate each other to talk about um, different things for our patients. And, and next thing you know, I mean, honestly, there's, there's more laughter that takes place inside of our business than anything it's else. True. You know, we're in there yeah, goofing around, true. you know. I come up with these wacky, you know, questions that just, you know, I'm always amazed, such as, you know, have you ever heard of so-and-so band, you know, right. like from the 80s, you know, uh, do you know who Def Leppard is, or right. U2, or Elvis, and or whatever, you've seen certain movies, I'm right. always amazed that just those little questions, and it's truly, I'm just curious, Yeah. you know, stimulates this entire, like, hour-long conversation, you know, right. just that, and it becomes this thread that follows throughout the entire rest of the practice you know um and and it's just this conversation piece that yeah it just blossoms so i love that i love that and that's exactly how you feel and i know my girls and everyone that goes to you that i know they that's why they come to you yeah and besides the fact that i think you're 
super super amazing at orthodontics it's just <laughs> the, also the quality care yeah it's the whole That's experience a big part of it. all right whole, we talked a lot about yeah. your practice sorry so let's talk about no no no, no, no. i want to know about you okay. i want to know more about you all right so you've had the business now for since 1999 yes. or nine going on 20 years so yep. 20 years mm-hmm. so what's the best things that, that you've learned from this business that is a great question and no matter how many times you ask yourself that question, you come up with different answers. And those answers, I think, change from year to year to year. Um, so, you know, I think that one of the biggest things that I learned early on was, number one, you can't please everyone. You know, um, and that relationship that you establish, whether it's amongst your team or amongst your clients, that relationship is key. And you're gonna have people that like you, you're gonna have people that don't like you. And you have to kind of become comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Personally, I am someone who is a pleaser. Mm-hmm. I want to work sometimes myself to death to make absolutely everyone happy. Right. And I'm a believer in, inside myself. I had to, this is as much as me talking to myself as anyone else. It's like, look, you have to be okay with the fact that you're not gonna make everybody happy. Right. There are going to be some people who just don't work well with you. Right. And no matter how much mental energy and effort and emotion you put into salvaging that relationship, it's still probably going to fail. Right. And so, you know, I, the 80-20 rule, which there may, a lot of people uh, have heard of, early on before I learned this, I, I realized looking back that I would spend 80% of my time trying to fix the 20% of the relationships that were destined for failure. Interesting. And the reality is if you flip-flop that and call a relationship maybe not a great relationship right. and decide to spend 80% of your time working on the 80% of the relationships that are right. good, then all of a sudden your perspective in business um, takes on a, a totally new perspective. I love and that. your happiness level actually comes I need comes to out. do that. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to That's do that. That's amazing. It's really hard to do it because yeah. you, like me, are people pleaser. We're a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. And we believe that if we just work hard enough, we can overcome whatever obstacle is in your way. If I just do one more favor for one yeah. more client, maybe they'll like She'll me. She'll like me. Yeah. You know, or he'll like me. Or in reality, it really has is, nothing to do with It has us. nothing to do with yeah. that. It's had, yeah. It's just that that relationship is not a great relationship. No, you're both probably awesome people. Right, right. But the connection there is not going to be awesome. And you can't force it. You can't and you force can't it. you can't make it. You know, you know, I use the analogy. I use analogies all the time. It's the analogy of, of, you know, you're the little kid out in the parking lot and your hot air balloon is getting away. And no matter how what you do to try to grab for that hot air, it just gets pushed further and further away. Right. The effort that you go into capturing that balloon is still going to get away from you. So you end up having to analyze this and say, and having a heart-to-heart loving talk with, you know, the person that you're having a, you know, maybe not such a great relationship and say, look, this is just not working. You know, um, you're a great person. A lot of people tell me I'm great. I'm not going to sit here <laughs> and tell me I'm great. Um, but, you know, the fact is our interaction is just not as good as it can be. And and I feel that no matter how much we force it, the trust level just isn't there. And I need to trust that you as a client is gonna are gonna do what you're supposed to do. And you need to trust that I as a providing caregiver 
is going to do everything to the best of my ability. And no matter what I say, I can sit there and do that. And I'm, I can promise you if I'm on the job, I'm going to work as hard and as tirelessly as I possibly can to make sure that your result is impeccable. But still, that trust level is not as strong as it can be. And there are some phenomenal orthodontists in this town. It could be that your relationship and therefore your experience with another orthodontist might be better. Um, so you fired clients. I fired clients. It is the it's sing- hard. It's, it's a very, hard firing thing. anyone, whether yeah. a team member or a client, well, especially is incredibly if they're <laughs> difficult. Yeah. But you know what? I, I have had to realize that that you know they could pay you twice the amount of the fee that you that you ask them to pay. It's not going to make that relationship any better. It's, that is absolutely, we've, one of the big focuses for Metal and Pedal this year is vetting our clients more yes. and making sure that we are the right fit. Right. And that's really important. And right. I think you do that too with your initial consults. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just seeing, is this going to work? I think vetting your clients is, absolutely. is just really, yeah. really important. It's a two-way interview. Yeah. And it needs to be that way. And, and some of my mentors, not just Dr. Morang, but other um, practicing dental uh, professionals in this town have advised me exactly the same way and and it works and and again it comes back to you can't keep everybody happy if someone is not happy you have a slim chance of making them happy but most likely not right you know and once that relationship is soured it's very hard to get it back true you know um so so that, that's one of the philosophies that you follow is the 80 is. 20 rule yeah 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 um what do you what do you wish that you had known? You know what I'm going to ask here. <laughs> 20 years ago when you got started. You, you know, know, Greg Garcia was just on mm-hmm. last week. And awesome he said guy. he wished that he had known it's <laughs> all going to be okay. You know, I, there are a lot of things that Greg says, and I've known Greg for a long time. Um, I, I'm not a client of his, but I've, he's been, believe it or not, whether he wants to believe it or not, I kind of a long distance mentor because I know his business philosophy and talked with so many of his clients. And so and talked with him uh, a few times, but I think what he said is absolutely right. That it's going to be okay. You know, I got into a practice that was very well established and um, you know, Dr. Morang had a huge following and he left some big shoes to fill. And I came in thinking I had to be a carbon copy of Jim Morang. And how old were you at the time? Oh gosh, oh, you're gonna make me do math here. Was, uh, you're in your thirties. So. Yeah, I was 31, 30, 31. So you were so, young. Yeah, yeah. So it was the reality was that I didn't have to be a carbon yeah. copy of Jim. No, yeah. Now, if I was gonna be a carbon copy of someone, he would be a good person to emulate. Um, he would also, if he was sitting in the room here, um, he would tell you that he's got his faults. Everyone does. Yes. Um, and he would he would then proceed to line up on a sticky note what those faults were and say, <laughs> don't do these. And he would be right. Um, but he was a phenomenal mentor. Um, and he would tell you all the mistakes that he made, own them, and say, don't do this. Learn from my mistake. Do this. And so... I listened to him about a huge number of things, but oftentimes I got sucked into the, to the thinking that I had to be just like him. And you don't, mm-hmm. you know, I think that when you get to a point where all of a sudden you realize, okay, I, I, I need to be myself, you know, 
And I need to create a practice that is like me or mm -hmm. like the team, you know, and I'm an integral part of that team. My name's right. on the sign, but my name represents everyone, everyone who works yeah. inside this building. And that we as a team can create the atmosphere that we as a team think that we should deliver. Mm -hmm. And um, so if I were to go back and do it all over again, I would take that mentality on much earlier in mm -hmm. my career. And also, I mean, there's just so many things. I mean, I don't think we have enough time to, to go through all the things I've learned through, through my 20 years of doing this. And I'm still learning every single day. Is that, you know, it is okay to admit that you're wrong. That's one of my biggest ones. And it's okay to admit that you don't know. Yes. Is it okay to... To not follow up? No. Right. You better follow up. You better to deliver on your word. Yes. Your word has to be impeccable. Yes. And it has to be true. Yeah. And you have to follow through on it. And if you do say the words, I don't know, or I was wrong, you better follow up with, here's the answer. Right. Of what is Either correct. Either next week or the next day or yeah. that night. ASAP. But yeah. I mean, but, but time's ticking. you're absolutely, I mean, that's, I completely agree with you. I even learned that in my personal life. Like yeah. if I diffuse a fight with one of my girls or my mom or Graham or something, I start by saying, if, if I feel like it's gotten escalated, I, I will start with, you know, I'm sorry, I've escalated this. Yeah. Or I'm sorry that I didn't come across the way I want to. Those two words, I'm sorry, are so, so powerful. powerful. Yeah, they are. And in business, too. I mean, yeah. mistakes happen. Yeah. You know, in this vendor sheet I'm talking to you about that we send yes. our clients, we say, listen, mistakes are going to happen. Yeah. Something's going to fall off the wall. Hopefully not, if Graham's hung it. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to nick a corner. Like, just stuff happens. You know, we will take of, care of it. But we're professionals. Yeah. And we, you are hiring us to do a service for you and we're going to do it perfectly as we can but we are aware and knowledgeable enough yeah. and experienced enough to say something's going to go wrong that's on every us. single time and we will handle it yeah it is not an emergency like it's it will not. all be okay it will all be okay. and that's a really powerful thing right is to admit your mistakes. own your mistakes yeah own them i mean that's all anybody as a client they they most of the time they want you to just they want to hear you say i'm sorry yeah i own it yeah. And there are times where you know that, you know, you've done the best you can yeah. given the situation. And if you were going to go back and do it all over again, hindsight being 2020, you might have done something a little differently. Absolutely, right. But that's the value of hindsight. When you're sitting in that, in that spot and you're having to make decisions right there and then um, about what's going to affect your client, you know, you're still got to do the best you can with the knowledge you have and the best tools that you have. Absolutely. And that's your promise, that you're going to do the best you can. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you're promising you're always going to be right. Right. There is not a person on the planet <laughs> that is always right. Right. You know, so... Or a project or a, a mouth, I'm sure, that doesn't go mistake-free. I mean, oh, there's yes. always things you have to tweak and change. Oh, yes. and absolutely. You know, and it, that's, that's really powerful. I think that's really, really powerful. Right. For people starting out, in, new in business. Yeah. Start with that. Go, hey, I'm new at this. I'm still learning. You came yeah. to me, you knew that. Yeah. You know, and I want to go ahead and, and say, you know, whatever happened is I, I take that on. You yeah. know? Absolutely. It's hard to do. I can, you I, can put I, your ego aside. Yeah. You better leave your pride at the door. Yeah. You know, I, I know a lot of people that get out of dental school, medical school, whatever. As soon as they get that DR in front of their name, their ego inflates. That's the worst thing you can do. You know, you better, you better become more humble. You know, especially considering the debt load that a lot of these guys are graduating with yep. these days. 
I mean, we're talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars in educational debt, not to mention the sometimes millions of dollars you put yourself in just to build a building that's attractive. Right. You know, so humble, being humble Big. is a that's key big. to success. Absolutely. Being confident is a key to success, but not being cocky. You know, you better be, you know, willing to admit that you're a human. Yeah. You know, um, so that would be the, you know, the biggest thing that I would say to somebody coming out yeah. in any business, you know, emerging brand new business is being just real with yeah. people and, and owning, owning when mistakes happen. I think humble is huge. So I know that you have a lot of hobbies. <laughs> you are an incredible uh, photographer. Oh, thanks. I tried to talk you into doing family photos one time for me and you wouldn't do it, I think. Um... <laughs> And you love taking, you more, you don't really do a lot of portraits as much as you like to do landscapes. landscapes. Yeah. That's one um, of your big hobbies. And you're also a big motorist. Motorcyclist. Yes. I would like to say I'm a big motorcyclist. Um, I, I wish I was as much of a motorcyclist as Greg, but, uh, but um, yeah, I have a motorcycle. I just don't get to ride it very often. Um, and that's going to change. Um, I, I promised your husband many times, <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of, I'd like to say I'm a jack of all trades and master of none. <laughs> I like that expression. Um, Tim Stevenson used to say that. Yeah. And so photography is one of my big artistic outlets. I used to actually paint and watercolor a lot when I was a kid. And that was so therapeutic for me Yeah. to sit down. I could sit down for eight hours at a time and paint. And it was so therapeutic. And um, I'm lucky that my mom still has some of my artwork hanging in their house. <laughs> Mine, um, it must be good. No, nah, I think she's just a devoted parent. Um, uh, but nonetheless, the photography part, I, I'm not great at portrait photography um, because I am so focused in on someone's smile when at work. I never thought about that. That it's yeah. hard for me to get past that in order to capture the whole person in a mm-hmm. portrait adequately because portrait photography goes way more you know, beyond just a smile. It's eye expression, it's head tilt, it's all these things. And you got light and shadow yes. and how that accentuates certain things or accentuates things that don't need to be accentuated. And so there are people, there are photographers that are gifted at that. And and I constantly, and two of them actually work for me. Um, but I'm constantly, I was like, you've got to teach me how to do this. And they're, and it's just such a natural thing to them that they don't have to think through it. So to force them to think through it and expre- express it is really difficult. Landscape for me forces me to get out into the real world um, and kind of soak up God's beauty of his creation. And, and you know, I've had people tell me, well, you see the world through the lens. I mean, that's such a narrow thing. I'm like, no, actually it forces me to focus in on certain aspects of a landscape that your eye may gloss over, um, just looking at an entire scene. And if I can focus in on confluence of lines and light and shadow and how the you know clouds and sunshine play against, you know, say for instance, a mountain's, mountainside and how it makes certain colors pop, then I feel that looking through that lens helps me absorb that better and right. um, appreciate it more. And so I have taken, I mean, hundreds of thousands of photos and I've only printed a few. <laughs> I know I hung those for yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> They're so yeah. good. Uh, yeah, those were That's in my early days. That's very personal for you. It is. It's, it's actually personal. really hard. I'm sitting here wringing my hands even talking about it. 
because that leap of having your work printed and hung is such a big leap of saying, okay, now it's out there, I, which is weird because I do this in, in the form of mouths and teeth every day, right? Um, in fact, it's got a bigger um, effect on my patients because they're, they're my artwork walking around, right? right? But yet here I am printing this thing and hanging it on the wall like, okay, it's there for everybody to come look at and critique. And, and your artwork is such a personal thing when I push that button. Um, and a lot of that is like my own soul kind of absorbing that. And all of a sudden I'm printing it and hanging it on the wall. It's like part of my soul's up there for people to either like or not like. And it's a very personal thing. Yeah. I mean, people who paint and, and hang things in galleries, art galleries, I don't know how they do it because it's so much of their life is invested in and on, on that. And people tell me all the time, your photography is amazing. You need to hang it. I'm like, oh, it tell is you what. amazing. I was like, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you my hard drive and you just go through and pick out what needs to be printed and hung. <laughs> and just don't tell me, you know? But also, I mean, I don't think everything needs to be such a big deal. Like you can just be a great photographer and keep it to yourself if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Like people, you know, I have a lot of other small little things I like to do yeah. too. And, you know, it, there, it's just for me. Right. You know, right. I don't want anyone else to right. talk to me about it or right. like I just started picking up running. I'm just doing it a oh, little good. bit, two miles a day. And I have this great friend and she wants to start a running club with me and yeah. she wants to do this. And I'm like, mm -mm, that's mm -mm. my, that's my me time. That's just like me doing yeah. me, you know? Yeah. So I think that's okay if you it don't is. want to share it with the world. You, it you know? is. I mean, unless you, know, you do and you're just, Scared. I, so I have this this dream that later on after I die that my kids are going to go through the hard drive and they're like, man, dad really was pretty good. We ought to print this stuff and have to hang it. <laughs> and at that point, I won't care who sees it and critiques it. But uh, you know, uh, but you know, like Greg mentioned in the podcast last last when he did his, you know, getting on the motorcycle and wind therapy. And yeah, I think that it's important to have an outlet that is therapeutic. Right. Even if it's getting out in the driveway and pressure washing the driveway, if that's your therapy, do it. Yeah. You know, you've got to unplug, you've got to focus in, you've got to allow your brain to refresh itself and yes. your soul to refresh itself and, and soak up all that your senses are telling you about what you're doing. And yeah. because in, in, in our lines of work, it is so easy to get lost in what you're doing that you, you, you kind of lose yourself you know and, and, and perspective perspective yeah and that carries on into many other areas of life that can be dangerous dangerous if it affects those areas of life yeah you know um so you know for me i've got a lot of hobbies um some of them i like to do those with friends you know such as you know shooting shotguns and things like that um riding motorcycles i love riding motorcycles because even if i'm riding with someone i'm still in my own little cocoon and my little helmet and all I hear is the sound of the engine and the wind going by, and it's, and it's just a surreal experience. I think Greg Garcia nailed it perfectly when he says, you have to focus on everything around you because your life depends on it. Right. You know, and it forces you to stay hyper aware of the moment. Right. And I think being hyper aware of your moment all at all times is, is, is a key to happiness. So anyway. I agree with that. Being present. Being present. Now, I don't agree with happiness because I have a firm stance <laughs> on happiness. Yeah? I think this is this is new for me. This is my new theory. Okay. I think happiness is fleeting. It can be. I think yeah. joyful. Yeah. I think I think happiness is, like, I'm always like, are you happy to myself or to someone else? Are you happy? Are you happy? Well, at this moment, right now, I feel happy. 
Yeah. But maybe I'll be mad in a couple of months. Yeah. But I want my whole life to be joy-filled. Exactly. I, I want would my agree whole life completely. to be in gratitude. Yes. And I have ungrateful moments, like everyone. Sure. But I want, the, there's certain words, and I feel like happiness is fleeting. And we, and I hate to say this because it makes me sound not, like I, I don't know what. But we as Americans are always like, are they happy? Is happiness the key? And it's like, that's not the key for me. I have different emotions. Happiness right. is an emotion, right? Right. And we all have different emotions. I think it needs to be like an average of those emotions. Yes. Because yeah. you're going to have your ups and downs. Yeah. And, you know, I just finished reading a book uh, a couple of days ago called The Four Agreements. And um, it's a great book, um, but it talks about four things that kind of help you gain perspective on who you are. And... And how to operate in the day, you know. Um, this is this a business book or no? It's actually a, personal growth. It's, it's personal growth. It's based off of like Toltec wisdom. Okay. It's like three thousand year old wisdom, but I'm not sure when the author wrote it here. Um, but it's very well done. It's a short read, and a friend recommended it to me. Um, what are the four agreements? Is I think I've seen this. You before. probably have. Um, the four agreements are make sure that your word is impeccable. Yep. Meaning that again, that you speak good things to people um, and that you follow through with your word and that you honor your word and that your word is honorable right? and therefore impeccable. Um, and then don't take things personally. It's a hard <laughs> one a, for me. A really hard one. I have a hard time <laughs> with that, you know, because yeah. I put so much of my soul into what I do. And then when somebody says, nah, I don't like that, I'm like, oh, you just stabbed me right in the soul, you know. And so, um, and then another one is, uh, the third one is don't assume. I mean, that's a... Makes an ass out of you and me. All the time. And um, which is, uh, if you stop, and and this book encourages you to stop and look at how many times in a day that you make assumptions. It is staggering how many assumptions you make in a typical day. It's just so natural for us to assume. And that, I think that's statistically where your error in thought can come in, can creep in, and all of a sudden you're just way off in some tangent, nonetheless. Um, and then the fourth one um, is to do your best, uh, meaning that doing your best is not doing less than you should, but not doing more than you should. Well, that's a hard Jade. one for you, Trad. <laughs> um, but it's doing the right amount so that you can be the best. Yeah. And that also means that when a mistake comes up, you know, if something did not go to plan, you can say to yourself, look, I did the best I could at that moment. Yeah. There was nothing more I could do. That outcome is is better than it would have been. Right. It's the best I could do at the time. Right. You know, does it mean that you wish that it could be better? Absolutely. But all things considered, we did the best we could. Yeah. Um, so... I you know, love those. It's a great I book. I mean, book. yeah, it's it's a good book. Um, like I said, a friend of mine recommended it to me, and, and she said it was life changing. And um, she's actually one of my treatment coordinators, and um, and I believe that there's a lot of good wisdom in there. Um, and again, it's based off of a kind of a Toltec. Uh, I think it says three thousand year old wisdom. Yeah. Know. So the way I judge my days is I go. So I start up. I'm trying to start with gratitude in the mornings. Yes. And same thing prayer, yeah. meditation, yeah. I, I call it meditation, um, and then go to, you know, my day. I've been starting to um, run a little bit for some self-care. I'm eating better. And then at the end of the day, I lay in bed and say, 
what did I do my best on today? Yes. And it's a little judgy. I know. I should be like, I did my best in everything. No, but I actually I like to keep myself in check. Yeah. You know, what did I what did I do my best in today and what can I do better tomorrow? And right. where does my energy need to go tomorrow? Right. Because I did this so well today. And it makes me feel calm because I don't feel that everything is overboard, uh, overloading me. Right. I feel like I I'm I'm really honest with myself about mm-hmm. things. I don't I don't lie to myself. Like mm-hmm. I really sucked at making sure that wall that was supposed to be straight was actually crooked. And so mm-hmm. now I have art again. Hang. So mm-hmm. tomorrow I'm gonna figure out a solution for that, and the next right. time I'm not gonna do that again. Right. You know. So it makes me feel really calm before I go to bed. Yes. And I also try to end it after that with my gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just works for me. I'm not a big routine person. Graham has enough routine for all of us. Um, <laughs> he has so many routines, but I'm not. But these are the little things that do help me. And so Absolutely. I think that's really interesting. And I should read that book well, for I think sure. um, looking back and, and saying, hey, look, these are the things I was great at today. I think there's nothing wrong with that. And it's not that you're egotistical and doing that. I think that I think it's valuable to do that because it does make you focus and look for the good things that you did do that day. I mean, and I try not to focus on the bad. Bad, exactly. I do count them. I'll right. say, you know, absolutely. This is my mistake. Yeah. So tomorrow I'm gonna do better, or next I'm gonna do better. But I try not to focus on yeah. them because I been, don't want to end my day in negative right. zone. And I've been for too many years on the flip side of that, and and it affects you and everybody around you. Yes. And, and so I would say, back to the hardest lesson, that would be a hard lesson to learn right there, is that, you know, how you perceive your day, it's like radiation. You know, it's, uh, you can, you know, if you perceive it um, incorrectly or focus on the wrong stuff, then it's going to affect you and everybody else around you. Yeah. So. It seeps out. It does. My last question for you, Dr. Harder, is <laughs> what what's next for you? What's next for me? Personally um, and professionally. Professionally, yeah. I'll, I'll talk there. Um, we just brought in an, a new associate, um, Alex Culberson, um, within the last couple months. And he is, I feel like a godsend, um, went through a uh, failed associateship in the last year and a half. Um, and man, talking about something that you really look for God's will, that would be it, you know. Wow. Um, because... You know, we, we start off down this path and thinking it's going to go a certain way, working hard to make it go a certain way, and then it turns out it doesn't. And you're like, okay, all right, I, yeah. I, you know, I was forcing something. And I really think that at this stage that Dr. Culberson coming in was the guy that really God wanted us to have mm-hmm. from the get-go. And um, really just feel great about him being in the practice. Um, so what is his role in the practice? Is he there Right to... now he's an associate orthodontist yeah. um, and we are working very closely together. We're, we're trying to stick to each other like glue um, so that I am learning how he thinks and vice versa. Um, I'm trying to teach him uh, the ropes of running a business and at the same time there are a lot of new techniques that he has formalized training on having just come out of residency program um, that he's teaching me. And so it's a two-way street of education there. Um, and he's a phenomenal guy. Um, you know, to look at his resume, I'm like, wow, it's just mind blowing. Um, and, and on top of that, just, you know, there's so many people you meet that their resume looks fantastic. 
and then you start talking to them and it doesn't match. Right. <laughs> this guy happened, matches yeah. in person with what the resume right. shows. And That's it's awesome. just, yeah, I think we've really hit it out of the park. So right now, you know, he's an associate. He will become part owner in the practice. Um, and I'm very thankful for that because, you know, whether you want to believe it or not, then a business partner is a lot like a marriage, you know. I know. And 50, you're going to fifty percent of business business partnerships fail. Fail, right? Yeah. You know, and and I've already been through a failure, and I don't so want to repeat that. So this is going to be that. a good one. We're putting all the good energy. Yeah. It's gonna well, work. let me tell you, <laughs> much like a a relationship, a personal relationship, when you come out of a failed one, it makes you very apprehensive to get into the next one. Mm-hmm. And um, and I've had to overcome a lot of that fear, yeah. you know, quite honestly, and just trust that you know, again, that God has brought this person into our lives, and that that he's brought us into his life and that is going to be good. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, so far as really playing out that way, um, you know, so what's in future for us is just to continue to develop his role in the practice and the partnership of it, um, and, and run that business. And honestly, I think, you know, Alex's, you know, biggest issue right now is that I'm standing in his way. Right, because <laughs> he is a go-getter, and there have been some times where I'm like, "All right, let's just slow, pump, pump, pump the brakes <laughs> here a little process. bit." It's yeah, process. again, this is yeah. not a sprint; it's right. a marathon. Right. Um, and there are plenty of times to roll out, you know, things, and we got to do things in a methodical way mm-hmm. so that the patient experience is the best it possibly can be. You know, right. and give our our team an opportunity to adapt to the new things that he's bringing to us. Right. Um, there's a lot of method that has to go into taking a new concept and implementing it. And if, you know, if that Im- implementation of a new concept is not done properly, then it ends up being a failure. <laughs> exactly. Um, so anyway, so that I'm very excited about that. Um, I think that professionally the future is incredibly bright for this, this practice. Um, I, I think that um, the practice will be in a better spot than we've ever been before with just me at the at the helm. Um, I just feel like we've got a great partnership going forward. Um, as personally, um, God only knows. You've got a son graduating. I mean, yes. From high um, school this year. Yeah. Hopefully, praying praying <laughs> that he graduates. We're love, all praying for love every, all of our kids. I think every senior, yeah. every parent of a senior says the same yes, thing. You know? Yes. Yes. You know, I think that's um, probably the most nerve wracking part is helping them find their way and making sure they're not making boneheaded mistakes that thwarts their path and takes away those options. Um, So I think in terms of the personal aspect, um, you know, seeing my kids develop um, and encouraging them to be strong men of God and um, Your boys are incredible. Yeah, well, thanks. They um, really are incredible. It comes from years of beating. No, I'm just joking. But um, <laughs> you're right. Oh, no, I'm kidding. No, uh, they are. They are really great kids. I tell you, I came and brought. Um, I think it was Grace to your practice the other day, yeah. and your boys were there to start their work day. And they came up to me. Of course, I've known them since Aiden yeah. was four. Yeah. And they came up to me and hugged me and shook my hand and kissed me. And, you know, maybe not kiss me. That's dramatic. But they <laughs> hugged me. And we had a 20-minute conversation. Yeah, good. 
and they were so amazing. They were so on point, so kind. Their manners were Good. impeccable. And Good. I literally called Charlotte, my mom, on the way home and said, I just saw the Heart of Boards. I haven't seen them in so long. I mean, it's been like, I don't know, three, two months or yeah, something. Right? But, um, and they were just amazing. And, oh, they've done such a good job with those boys. And it shows, Trot. I mean, it really, well, really shows. Yeah, Betsy and I have put a lot of, a lot of time, sweat, tears, just like any good parent would, and uh, trying to give them the mechanics to be a good person. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's, I wish, you know, I think all of us as parents wish we could just do this giant download onto a flash drive or something and upload our knowledge into our kids but they've got to live life in their own way yeah and, but we got to make sure that they don't do something so stupid that it like i said that it derails them right you know and so and at the same time let go yeah yeah it's yeah. hard it's, it's hard, hard to let go i mean we've heard you know we were talking you know you and i before we started this podcast that you you train them to be that little bird that leaves the nest but at the same time, like, oh my gosh, they're leaving the nest. Well, that they're supposed to leave the nest. I know it's they're hard. supposed to leave the nest, yeah. and, and they're supposed to go live their own life. And and um, you know, we all pray that they just go do that to the best of their right. abilities, um, and that they represent themselves, and not just you, but actually represent themselves in a way that's true to who they are. You know, beautifully said. And, beautifully said. And so that's the exciting thing about it. It's also incredibly nerve-wracking. And if, if all of us get to the point where all of our kids have graduated from college and still have either a stomach lining or hair, then I'll be all amazed. But uh, um, <laughs> I don't know. even care if they graduate. To be honest with you, I oh. just want to get. I, I don't. Yeah, you I need personally to edit don't. that out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they are an entrepreneur and want to go off and do their own thing yeah. i mean yes my hope is that all four of my daughters absolutely 100 percent have a degree yeah that is my hope yeah. but if i'm also Realities. not going to hold them back if one decides to be a right. baker right, at right. 20 and wants to go off and do something now she's going to need education of some sort you know where i'm going with I know. this just I'm do not, the best that they can do the or whatever best that they, they can because you know i do believe that college is not for everyone i agree it completely. wasn't for me i went for a couple years and then i was done i and you know who knows what it turned out if I, anyway. Well, I think that, you know, so much pressure is put on children today to go to a big-name college. Yes. Big-name degree. How many people graduate from big-name colleges and big-name degrees and don't ever use their degree? Right. A substantial percentage. I mean, we're talking the majority of people don't even use the degree they went to school for. Right. So I am all in favor of, of kids going and finding that thing that they love to do that way, and yeah, seek the education necessary to do their job to right. best their ability. Right. Um, you know. But I, it's just been so much pressure to do. Absolutely. And I have four, you know, and I just, I'll be amazed if all four choose the same path. Right. You know, of just going directly into college. I could see one who already, who already at 13 is talking about a gap year. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm not against it. Right. You know, I also, I want, I'm obviously highly, you know, I'm very driven. I want to make sure my girls are on the right path at all times, especially because I wasn't on the right path for a long period of my life. And I want to make sure that everybody's good, but I also don't want to force them to do something that doesn't feel right for who they are. Right. You know? Absolutely. And it's just that you want them to to accelerate that learning process so they don't have the pain of making yes. mistakes. But I think the value, and like you said, you were off on, on the wrong path. Or I don't think you were on the wrong path for so many years because I think that makes who who you are. 
That's true. And I'm a big believer that, you know. I could have just failure. had an easier path. Let me say well, that. Well, all of us would love I, to have I'm a big old <laughs> easy button. I'm kind of famous but, for doing everything ass backwards, but that's okay. But, that's but okay. look at it this way. That's if you okay. had that big old easy button, would you still appreciate where you sit right now? That's true. No, you it's wouldn't. true. I mean, I it's think true. that the struggles that you go through and the failures and that all factors into who you are. I'm a big yeah. believer that, you know, you know, it's your life may bust apart at times. I mean, mine certainly has. Um, and I'm a big believer that, you know, God will take the pieces of that busted up dream, whatever that was, um, and put it together in a way that's more beautiful than it ever was before. I am testimony to that. There's I no am. doubt. I There's am. no doubt you are. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just look at where you are, not yeah. just professionally, but as a person. I mean, definitely. You're not the same person you were seven years ago, 10 years ago. No. I'm so much more evolved and I had to have everything come crashing down to get to where I am today absolutely, and where I'm going tomorrow. Absolutely. And I, I believe, yeah, I believe it's the same thing we're talking about in businesses that you have to have your mistakes and own your mistakes. Yeah. And then there's, that's where the growth comes. Yeah. That's where the growth comes. Absolutely. And all we're supposed to do is, in my opinion, and this is getting very philosophical, but is to love, yes. to be love, to give love, to be positive and to be the best, do the best we can yeah. every day. And you, in and that order, includes loving yourself, and loving yourself, and loving yourself, and in order to get to those things, we need these hiccups and these disasters and these breakups and these things that come along to, to allow us the room to grow. I agree completely. Well, you are amazing. No, you are. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with me. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. And um, hopefully, we've not bored our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone's gonna love it. <laughs> well. Thank you so much to Dr. Trad Harder for being with us today. I had a great time hearing his stories, talking about what's important to him, his mentors, what he's learned along the way. He's just one of the most impressive people I've ever met. And he's truly someone that I look up to in the business world. He has a very successful practice and uh, it's taken a lot of work and it's taken a lot of out of him out of him i know that because that's what entrepreneurship is partly about is putting your heart and your soul into every single thing you do and trad does that if you haven't been to see trad um, for your children or yourself you really should if you need orthodontic care his practice is called classic city orthodontics and you can look up their website and he's incredible it, their whole practices it's it's the perfect experience if you need good orthodontic care until next time